Thanks for being here today. My name is Kevin Conover. I'm the host here on Educate for Life Radio. We're broadcasting down in Southern California, San Diego, K-Praise, 1210 AM. And if you haven't heard, this is uh, brand new news here. Uh, The recall for Gavin Newsom is officially set for September 14th. That's a huge deal. And uh, there's all kinds of you know, uh, people upset in California. A lot of it has to do with what's happened uh, during COVID with the amount of businesses that are leaving California with a lot of the increase in homelessness, which is what we're gonna be talking about today. And uh, this is a biblical issue. It's, a, it's an apologetics issue, which is a defense of a b- biblical worldview, meaning, uh, meaning the Bible actually talks about homelessness. It talks about poverty. It talks about money and the use of money. It talks about how government should be responding to, to uh, poverty and these sorts of issues. And I just wanted to read off some of the stats. These are recent. California has seen an increase of 16.2% in homelessness from 2007 to 2020. Uh, there was an increase of 6.8% from 2019 to 2020. And the 2020 annual homeless assessment report found that California accounted for more than half of all unsheltered people in the country. Uh, This is nine times the number of unsheltered people in the state with the next uh, highest number. So no other state comes even close to what California has uh, regarding regarding, uh, homeless. Nearly a third of all homeless unaccompanied youth nationally live in California. Uh, California also has the highest number of SNAP recipients. SNAP (coughs) is the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program uh, formerly known as the food stamp program, 3,789,000 uh, recipients of food stamps. For every 100,000 California residents, 10,200 receive welfare benefits. That's as of 2019. Um, so you're talking just over 10% of Californians receive some sort of welfare benefits. Um, this, this just came out uh, in Sacramento, in LA, we're dealing with massive amounts of homelessness. Um, down here in Southern California, we're dealing with homelessness situations. You, you see stories all the time about the encampment, encampments in San Francisco. You, you see people uh, talking about what's happening on the streets. They can't run their businesses. There's people sleeping outside of uh, businesses and, and uh, there's, there's trash everywhere. It, it's a huge issue. The mayor of Sacramento on Wednesday uh, announced a plan to legally obligate California's capital city to house its growing homeless population. So the, the mayor of Sacramento um, actually said, Daryl Steinberg actually said, um, people are becoming homeless faster than we can get the help they need. Uh, we want to guarantee a right to housing, an obligation for homeless people to accept shelter when it is offered. So basically he's mandating um, that housing is provided and that that homeless people take the housing. Uh, This is interesting because this is, uh, you know, doesn't sound like freedom or the ability to, you know, make your own decisions here. In Los Angeles, this has become a huge issue. They just recently on July, uh, just as of today, um, it says here that they passed uh, new restrictions on encampments near homeless shelters, daycare centers, and an array of other public facilities. Um, now, there's, there's lots of arguments. Lots of people are complaining about this. They're saying you're criminalizing homelessness. But the LA Council, uh, City Council voted 13 to 2 to start um, <clears throat> enforcing laws against people being outside of things like building entrances, driveways, libraries, parks, elementary schools, around fire hydrants. And uh, of course, it's like, well, yeah, that seems like common sense. <clears throat> but uh, we've gone rapidly in a bad direction here. Uh, in regards to homelessness. And, and so um, before I introduce our guest, uh, I wanted to read a scripture 
because it's interesting to me, again, the biblical perspective on this issue. Um, but this is from, um, let's see here. This is from Deuteronomy. It's chapter 15. It says, however, there need be no poor people among you for in the land, the Lord, your God has given you to possess as your inheritance. He will richly bless you. If only you fully obey the Lord, your God, and you're careful to follow all these commands. I am giving you today for the Lord, your God will bless you as he has promised and you will lend to many nations, but will borrow from none. And my guest today is mayor Bill Wells. Uh, and Bill, thank you so much for, for being on the program today. This is an issue that, I mean, you personally are dealing with as the mayor of El Cajon. It's a huge issue. Um, it's, it's, it, hmm. it's almost the foremost issue that people are concerned about in California. And, uh, you also have a background with working with homeless as well. Um, so, uh, thank you for being here. You're welcome. Uh, first off, you're absolutely right. There probably is no larger issue, nothing that we as a council think about more. And I think that's probably the same for every city council in California, if not America. Um, I take a very different approach to this. And I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that I'm not coming at it purely from a political perspective. <clears throat> I, um, spent my entire life working in mental health. I have a, a BSN and a, and a doctorate of psychology. And I spent a lot of my years working in emergency rooms doing psychiatric evaluations, which meant I, I saw all the people that the police and the paramedics and uh, the walk-ins <clears throat> from uh, the streets came in. And I, I worked in an inner city ER. So a lot of my clients, a lot of the people that I, I dealt with in a clinical setting were homeless people. And that really opened my eyes to what homelessness is really about. And what I can tell you is that none of the issues that politicians are bringing up about homeless have any bearing on the truth. Um, it's caused by a, a myriad of things, but all different than what the average, average politicians are saying it's about, and especially the more left-leaning politicians who seem to have a, a political investment in perpetuating homelessness. So I'm happy to answer any questions regarding that, explain those things, but I- Yeah, and, and I do have a question about that. I mean, um, you know, that's an interesting statement you made that it seems like the, you know, politicians on the left have an interest in um, actually increasing homelessness and, uh, you know, it does seem like that. I, I mean, um, you hate to impugn the motives of somebody, but at the same time, you wonder, you know, it, it's, a, it's a continual increase. I mean, the, the stats are clear. It's not going away. Uh, so you wonder, you know, what, what in the world is going on? Is this, a, is this an impossible problem to solve? And are we just, you know, uh, going to be um, just hopeless in the situation? Or is there actually a solution that, that can be provided, but it's just being ignored? Okay, so your, your question being, um, why would uh, left-wing politicians be pushing to increase homelessness? Yeah, it just seems like, I mean, very strange that uh, you would, you would want to do that. I, I mean, um, what, what's going on there? Well, I, I can't honestly say I know what their motives are. I, I mean, it does seem like perhaps there's a rush on the Democrat Party to be rushing to who, who can be the most progressive, who can be the most left-wing, uh, because I think they see their political futures as embracing that. And I, I think that's a mistake, but that's another discussion. And but, when you say that, Bill, when you say, um, you know, rushing towards the left and all, are, are you arguing about like, you know, people are arguing the rights of the homeless, meaning the right to, 
you know, be out on the street or be where they want to be? Uh, is that what you're referring to? Well, not only the, just the rights of the homeless, but passing a myriad of laws that really, if you looked at it from the outside, you would say that must be to try to encourage people to become homeless, not to just protect their rights. And I, you know, I think there's a distinction there. Um, if you look at the laws in California, in, just in the last few years, we have seen the prisons being emptied out, which means a lot more homeless people. We have seen it impossible to book anybody. We can't arrest anybody for almost anything. We can't arrest anybody for a theft. You can steal up to $950 worth of merchandise from a store now without being arrested. You can only get a ticket and you can uh, steal a car. Oh, you, better, you better be careful what you tell people on the air here. They're gonna, there's going to be a... <laughs> believe me, believe me, the, the criminal element in, in California knows this. Yeah. And, and the homeless people know this. It gets the, you, can't, you can't be arrested for assaulting somebody unless it's with a gun or, or a really violent assault. But if I punch you in the face, I, I can't be arrested for that. If I break into your car and steal your car, I can't be arrested for that. If I sell you drugs, I can't be arrested for that. If I buy drugs from you, I can't be arrested. For that. If I'm using drugs on the street, I can't be arrested for that. If I'm urinating in public or defecating in public or sleeping in somebody's doorway or breaking their windows, I can't be arrested for any of those things. And th these are all... So what is a police officer supposed to do? I mean, it, it, do they come up and just have a talk with you and then let you go or what? Yeah, they what? come up and say, Kevin, you, you, you stole $949 worth of merchandise, so I can't arrest you, but I'm going to give you a ticket. What's your name? And you say, well, it's, it's John Smith. And I said, do you have any um, ID, John? And he said, no. I said, okay, well, here's your ticket. You know, make sure you show up at court. And the, you, of course you just throw it in the trash can. And all of this has been, um, codified by the one party rule in California. Is and this coming down from Sacramento or is this yes. uh okay. Yeah, it comes down from Sacramento. Um of course the uh funding has been cut from the jail so they don't want to book anybody. They've been told they're not supposed to book anybody. I mean it's not so bad in San Diego but in LA they won't e the the DA won't even prosecute people for most crimes. It's lawlessness and you know, the cynical person, and I think I am a cynical person, uh, says that it is an overarching plan to try to destroy the fabric of American life so that they can rebuild it in a communistic Marxist image. But and so it, how do you how do you get from from uh, not allowing anybody to be, uh, you know, pro, uh, you know, arrested or or put in prison or whatever the case? How do you get from there to a, a you know, communist uh, tyrannical government or orientation? Well, yeah, I mean, it's just it's just a step by step. If you if you look at, we're going to get all over the place. But if you start looking at critical race theory, defunding the police, um, Marxism in in general, the the whole Black Lives Matter movement, all of this, in my opinion, is designed to to tear apart the fabric of what we used to call normal American life. And I think that that there's a segment in our population that feels very offended by the concept of life the way it used to be, and they think that the the only way to, to combat these quote-unquote systematic problems, systematic racism, systematic injustice, uh, inequalities, is to tear the, tear the nation down to its studs and rebuild it in, in a new light. Yeah. And this, that, believe me, this is nothing new. This is what, ha what happened in Bolshevik Russia. This is what happened in Nazi Germany. This is what happened it, with the uh, People's Cultural Revolution in China and the French Revolution in the uh, late 18, 
16th century. So this, these, these, uh, these impetuses have been with us for quite a long time, have been tried many, many times. Yeah, it's interesting because um, the article in the Los Angeles Times talking about the council members who are trying to uh, apply some, you know, rule of law to the homelessness situation instead of just having people with encampments all over the, all over the place. Um, actually, uh, three of the groups that were opposing uh, having more laws, you know, regarding homelessness were uh, a group called the Ground Game Los Angeles, Black Lives Matter Los Angeles and the LA chapter of the Democratic Socialists of America, um, which, which are all groups on, on the extreme left and what's becoming a normalized left uh, that are arguing for socialism, which ult ultimately um, is the next step right before communism. Um, but but uh, so, so what is the solution in, in your regard? At, you know, when, when you look at the homelessness situation that we're dealing with, and uh, we, you know, there's homeless in El Cajon where you're the mayor too, and this is sure. an issue that you have to wrestle with. Um, you know, what is, this, what is the solution to situations like these? Well, first off, all these things I talked about are secondary to the main problem of homelessness. And I think that if, if uh, you were to make me, uh, you know, president of the United States or even better king of the United States for, for a little while to, and said, Bill, you've got to solve this problem. Yeah. The first thing I would say, and by the way, I'm not advocating that I, I'm king. Who's going to make a King Wells. I, I, this is a <laughs> hypothetical situation. Okay. Um, <laughs> The, the, fir the first thing I would say is that until if we're going to attack this problem, we have to understand what it is. Um, what they what do they tell us is the reason for homelessness. People are what? They're down on their luck. They've lost yeah. their jobs because of COVID. Um, they lost their jobs because of the bad economy. The housing is too expensive. And yeah, that's a big one. People saying uh, rents are uh, up and uh, people can't buy homes and uh, people can't get paid enough money. Um, Everybody bought... Everybody buys this and accepts this as, as truth. And the reason they do is because they don't know anything about it. They've never worked in the, talk to a cop, talk to an ER doctor, talk to me who's worked in, in ER doing psychiatric evaluations, talk to somebody who's running a homeless shelter. And they'll tell you what the problem is homelessness. Is. It is 99.9% .9 drug and alcohol abuse. The people that are on the streets, I'm going to say something controversial, but I, I, to my soul, I believe it. The people that are on the streets are choosing to be on the streets because they want to do drugs and alcohol. We know every single homeless person in, in El Cajon, we've offered each one of those people probably a dozen times chances to get off the streets and get a bed. There are beds available for people who are willing to, to get off the streets, but they say no, because I want to continue to do meth. I want to continue to do heroin. I want to be able to live the, my life the way I want to live it. I don't want anybody telling me how to live it. So as long as one people are arguing that poverty is causing homelessness, but the real truth is that drug and alcohol abuse is causing homelessness, then we're never going to even get close to solving the problem. So yeah. we have to find some kind of cons consensus. So it's interesting. It's so controversial. When I when I I wrote an article about this recently, and and the world exploded on me because all these people who don't know anything about it screamed and yelled, "What a bigot I was!" Calling people drug addicts, and it's not me calling people drug addicts. I'm just I've talked to ten thousand homeless people in my lifetime, and I've asked them, "Can I get you off the street?" And they they tell me the same thing they tell the cops. No, I want to use drugs. Yeah. 
So that's really interesting because um, I, I was doing some research on this and there was a United States Conference of Mayors. They, they asked 25 mayors the top reasons for homelessness in our regions. And the far majority, just like you said, said that it, substance abuse was the primary reason um, for homelessness. And uh, so, I mean, uh, the evidence all you know, supports everything you're saying there. Um, but what if, what if a person were to say, well, yeah, Bill, but the reason they want to do drugs is because they're addicted to the drugs and they can't get off the drugs. So ultimately what originally started as something that was their, their voluntary decision to do drugs has now become an involuntary decision where they are, um, addicted to the, to something that is now controlling them to the extent where they'd rather live homeless than, than get housing, but be forced not to be able to take the drugs anymore. Well, look, I, I have compassion for, for being addicted to drugs and alcohol. I come from a, a very addicted uh, Irish family who uh, every man in my family died of alcoholism except for me. And I, I have a lot of compassion for people that can't stop using drugs and alcohol. And it's a real thing. Um, it, it's a hard thing. But the answer is not to give up and fuel that addiction by giving them benefits and giving them money and giving them a, a free pass and say, sleep yeah, wherever free you needles. want, do whatever you want. Yeah. That's not, that's not going to help anybody. And the, you know, the analogy I use would be if, if your teenage daughter came to you and I know you have daughters. Right? Yeah. And, and so if your teenage daughter teenagers, came, <laughs> so say your teenage daughter came to you and said, uh, dad, I, I don't want to live the normal life anymore. And I, you don't have to pay my college. All I want you to do is give me a thousand bucks a month. Let me do whatever I want. I'm going to prostitute myself. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep on the streets. I'm going to use drugs and I'm going to stop by once in a while and take a shower and use the laundry, but I'm not going to ask you for anything. Just, you know, your, your obligation to me is done. And you said, <laughs> well, that sounds like a pretty good, good deal. Let's, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's a great analogy. Um, Parents, nobody would do that. But as a society, we've done that. We've said, yeah. oh, you're addicted to drugs? Okay, well, here's SSI. Here's you know, 1200 bucks a month SSI. Oh, here's food stamps. Oh, here's a free uh, insurance card. So you go to a psychiatric hospital anytime you feel like getting off the streets and telling them you're suicidal, you can get, get off the streets for a few days. And we ask no questions. Oh, and we'll never punish you. And we'll never send you to jail. And we'll never hold you responsible. And if you destroy property, that's okay. And if anybody ever says anything bad about you, we'll, we'll excoriate them in the public square because they weren't sensitive to you. Mm. Now, that, that is not a kind and compassionate, loving Christian way for one group of people to treat another group of people. That is cruel. And so I'm taking the, the tact that far be it from saying that putting restrictions and limits upon people's behavior is a cruel and evil thing. It's cruel and evil not to put limits on people's behavior. It's cruel and evil not to hold people to some standards and say, you can live better. I will help you. Yeah. We'll, we'll help you get to where you need to go, but you've got to put the effort in. Yeah. That's fantastic. I love that analogy that you gave there. I mean, that makes total sense when you, when you put it in those terms. Um, and I love the definition I heard of Liberty, um, you know, life, life, Liberty and the pursuit of happiness, uh, you know, uh, in our declaration and, uh, Liberty, the freedom to do good, um, the freedom to be uh, free from evil. And uh, really, that's what the Bible talks about. It talks about how sin uh, gets its claws in you. 
And then you actually are no longer free to do what is the right thing to do. You're not free anymore because now you, you are trapped by your vices. And so um, what Cal the California government and what people on the left tend to do is actually enable people um, to get trapped in these horrible vices and these horrible situations. Um, so, uh, you know, is this something that has been, cause, cause it wasn't always like this. It wasn't always, you know, our, our position that, okay, we need to, give people, you know, free food, we need to give them free this free that in order to show compassion towards them. Uh, a lot of people held your view before where, hey, you know, what we need to do is we need to help these people do what they can't do, which is prevent them from being able to have the opportunity to take these drugs and to do these drugs and to provide penalties. Um, has this been a sudden change? Is this uh, uh, over the past, you know, how many years has this taken place? I think it's, it's been a, a gradual change with the acceleration being over the past seven, eight years. Mm. Um, the, it was, it was probably six years ago that we started seeing the lion's share of the really outlandish laws that were protecting homelessness and protecting the right to be homeless and to kind of celebrate homelessness. Um, mm -hmm. That was probably six, seven years that we've, we've seen these really flourishing. Uh, before that though, there was a, a loud drum beat of, of people that were, um, kind of calling out for the same thing, saying that uh, we should be celebrating people's diverse rights to be homeless and to choose a different path. Mm. So um, you said you're a little bit cynical when it comes to these issues, uh, you know. Um, so do you see, that's a pretty short amount of time that, that such radical change has taken place, seven to eight years. Well, is, 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 I'm sorry to interrupt you, but haven't we seen massive changes in every front of society in the past three to five years. I mean, just, Oh yeah. We, it, the country's not recognizable to what it was five years ago. Mm. Yeah. And I think it, it started a long time ago. I was doing some research on the impact of uh, marriage on homelessness. And uh, there's no doubt about it that uh, when you have strong marriages and lots of married couples, you have a decrease in poverty. You have a decrease in um, homelessness and all these sorts of issues. And uh, California legalized no-fault divorce all the way back in 1970. So these are we are just uh, seeing all of a sudden this uh, birthing of all these horrible, horrible decisions. It's funny. I was a kid, um, so I was six in 1968, and I remember the summer of love. And I remember it because um, I had grown up in a, a world that you didn't grow up in, which was kind of the post 1950s gray flannel suit, get your hair cut once a week, mom wears a dress and bakes cookies, kind of America. And I really liked that. It 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 felt safe to me. Mm. And then all of a sudden, I I'm you know going to the beach and going to the airports, and I'm seeing these these people, this kind of lawless, what I felt were like filthy people, just running rampant. And asking my dad, you know, what, what is this? He said, oh, the, you know, those are hippies, son. And I knew right that much. That's the day I became a conservative. I, I said, <laughs> I didn't even know what it was. Yeah. But I, I said, I said, I, I don't like that. I'm not going to live that way. I'm not going to do that. And so um, I really look, look back on in the genesis of all of the anarchy that we're living with today started in 1968. I, it, to me, that's the, that was the tipping point. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt about it. Um, so, so um, in that regard, you know, obviously people aren't happy. I mean, if, if this is a, one of the crucial issues on people's minds in California, that they're fed up with all that's happening, 
um, you know, there's, there's a, and, and the, the recall actually is happening. I mean, it's, it's, it's going to be on the bat ballot and, and, uh, you know, uh, God willing, he, Newsom is going to be recalled. Um, but, but the question is, so, so that being the case, um, do you think there's hope moving forward as far as, um, you know, are people going enough is enough and uh, let's, let's have a move in another direction? Well, I think there's always hope. Um, I think yeah. we're in a dark, we're in a dark time right now, but I prophesized uh, several years ago that we were not going to get out of this until um, the the policies that we know are dangerous, that the far left policies that are destroying America, destroying lives, really seep into the consciousness of people and they see their cities become like Bangladesh. They, they mm -hmm. see their, ta they, you know, pretty soon we're going to have $7 gallon gasoline with gas taxes and mileage taxes add on to that. Um, we're, we're seeing people unwilling to go to work because they're getting so much government money. We can't, we can't, operate our businesses. We're seeing America completely fall apart. It's going to get worse. And I always felt that it wasn't going to be until regular people could not buy food and could not safely walk in their neighborhoods and could not live the life they wanted to live. And especially they, they look at their children and say, my kids are never going to have it as good as I had it because of government policies that at that point, there would be a, a backlash. And God forbid that it's a violent backlash, but that's a possibility. But I, I think that there, there's a good chance that there'll be an electoral backlash. And I, I think it's going to come sooner than we think. I, I believe that we're going to uh, see a huge shift in the midterm elections. And then after that, I think we'll regain the Senate and the, and the presidency two years later. Oh, I love it. Well, that's good news. And along those same lines, you actually um, are working, um, you actually have uh, Mike Pompeo coming into town um, who, who directed the CIA under Donald Trump. Um, and you guys are getting together to talk about Judeo-Christian values. Tell us a little bit about what's going on there. Yeah. So I got to take my political hat off and become uh, just me and uh, the Christian me. And um, a couple of years ago when I was running for Congress, I, I made friends with um, some gentlemen that were in the San Diego Jewish community. One of them was named Eli Ben Moshe and the other one was uh, Brian Blocker. And they started an uh, organization called Shield of David, which was to protect Israeli rights and to educate people about the truth of Israel, that, that it's not an apartheid state, that it's not uh, a, a occupying force, that, that it is a bastion of freedom in the Middle East and a, a fair and honest place to live. And um, we have been talking and I have been pushing them saying that it's really important that because Jews and Christians share the same values and we are under assault um, in America and throughout the world for those Christian Judeo values, we need to work together. We can't be on in two separate camps. So we're going to have a rally on July 25th in El Cajon at the Prescott Promenade. And we're going to bring Jews and Christians together for uh, Christian and Jewish values, Judeo-Christian values, and to celebrate that and celebrate the unity and to celebrate Israel. And Mike Pompeo is going to be one of the, the guest speakers, which is really fantastic. And it's not going to be a political rally. He's not going to talk about uh, politics. He's going to talk about um, the importance of Israel and the need to, to protect Israel as a nation, the need to uh, fight back against anti-Semitism and Christian persecution. And uh, so anybody who wants to come, I, I 
really encourage them to come on Sunday afternoon on July 25th to El Cajon. Okay, fantastic. That's awesome. So, um, yeah, you know, it's, it's really, I was just reading that, that tragedy over in Florida with the uh, condos that fell down and uh, just horrible, uh, horrible situation. And uh, one of the things I noticed was uh, the uh, state of Israel actually sent over help from the Jewish military, the Israeli military, uh, in order to help with that situation, help clean up and, and do all that. I just thought that was so incredible that they, they did that. You don't hear about uh, many countries coming and sending help over to help America. It's usually America sending aid to other countries, but I thought that was just really cool. And uh, I, I totally agree. I think all Americans should, should see Israel as a friend, but all Christians should really have a deep and abiding connection with Israel. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, back to the homelessness issue, I'm just curious. And, you know, in the meantime, you know, we're dealing with this issue where you've got all these restrictions that Sacramento is putting on you um, in order to be able to deal with the homeless situation makes it makes it a very difficult situation to actually deal with. Um, So in your mind, under the current restrictions, um, what advice would you give to other other mayors and other cities as they're trying to, you know, wrestle with these issues. Are you finding any solutions uh, outside of, you know, yeah. b- being able to do it within these, these sh- restrictions? Yes and no. Um, you're going to get me in trouble, but uh, I'll, just, I'll be honest. I mean, um, I don't want to get you in trouble, Bill. The way we've approached in El Cajon is um, having a two pronged uh, approach, a lot of enforcement, which is contrary to what, um, the, t- the political tide is in California, but we also offer a lot of um, treatment. We probably got more treatment dollars being spent per capita alcohol than any other city that I've ever heard of in California. Um, we've got the East County Transitional Living Center. We've got a lot, lots of money being spent on giving people the opportunity to get off the streets, but we don't allow uh, tents on our streets. I mean, people say, oh, I see tents in alcohol. Well, they pop up like it's like whack-a-mole yeah and and, you know but we get we clean them off um we clean out the gutters we we take thousands of tons of of debris out of of the sewer system because people live down there and we don't allow that to happen we don't allow sleeping bags on the streets we don't allow people to sleep in our parks or our schools um and i'm under constant threat from um, the aclu and from uh, uh grand jury uh, saying we need to re- loosen up and, and be more uh, opening up to people, quote unquote, experiencing homelessness. And uh, I'm, I'm uh, committed to standing against that kind of uh, silliness. I, 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 people are not experiencing homelessness, they're, they're choosing homelessness. And I, I'm more than happy to help anybody who wants to, to uh, get clean and sober and get off the streets. Uh, You'll find if you come to alcohol, we'll get you a bed, we'll get you treatment, but you're not going to be able to have a tent city here. That's awesome. So I would uh, encourage other mayors just to do the same thing. I, you know, just stand up to it, take the heat, get beaten up, but uh, do what you have to do to protect your citizens. That's fantastic. Um, you know, uh, I, I wanted to read this quick article here on a church up in Riverside who stepped in and tried to help out also. Um, it says the Grove Community Church in Riverside worked to complete the first City of Riverside's Love Your Neighbor campaign. It allows houses of worship to care for the housing needs of homeless people on church campuses. It's the first project of its kind in the region. And they go on to describe how they've built 
these homeless shelters um, and they, they are able to stay there for a few months to get back on their feet. Uh, they get all kinds of help with, with uh, job training and everything, uh, all these sorts of things. And um, they said it's, you know, it's starting to make a difference. And uh, they receive Christian counseling. They're able to deal with addiction, uh, lots of things like this. And, and so um, from that perspective, I just wanted to hear what you had to say. Um, what's, your, what's your response to something like that? A church is doing something like that. Is that a, is that a move in the right direction or, or are, are there unforeseen consequences that they're not anticipating? Yeah, that could be a double-edged sword. Um, I, you know, on its face, obviously that's a part of what the Christian church should be doing. It should be helping people that are in need of help. But again, it takes me back to the same concept. Um, if we think that the problem is poverty, if we think the problem is housing, if we think the problem is blankets or food or, or uh, showers, and then we provide all those things to solve that problem, and yet it does nothing to solve the problem, it only perpetuates the problem, we have to step back and say, wait a second, maybe we're wrong. Maybe we are uh, looking at this through the wrong lens. Um, so I totally ag agree with offering any kind of um, treatment for addict addiction. But other than that, I'm not uh, very encouraging of, of churches doing that. It, churches can really cause a lot of problems. They, they, they go into the parks and they serve sandwiches and give blankets and food. Now, what do we have? We have kids that want to be playing in the park. They can't play in the park now because the homeless camp out there now because they, they, that's the place where they get all their free stuff. Um, parks are not for homeless people. Parks are for kids and families. And, and I stand by that. And, and yeah, exactly. And I think I, I totally think you're right. And I think that's where your experience is so valuable is that a lot of people, they just don't know the, the uh, unforeseen consequences to what they're doing. And uh, so you've got to come at a very thoughtful approach. I mean, you do a misdiagnosis here. And uh, just like you said, you know, if, if, a, if a person walks into the doctor's office and they've got a broken leg and the, and the doctor says, well, we're going to fix your arm. Well, mm -hmm. you, you just made it the problem worse. You didn't do anything. And so I think that's a lot of what we're seeing here is, uh, you know, the bleeding heart, but, but uh, the misplaced uh, actions. So um, I think that's great what you're doing. Well, um, Bill, I wanted to just uh, thank you for being on the program today. Uh, it's a huge blessing. And uh, I just, uh, everybody should be praying for you because you are on the, the very front lines of uh, dealing with all this craziness that we're, especially in California. Um, but again, um, for those of you listening, I want to just emphasize it's a rally for Christians and Jews, Judeo-Christian values. Mike Pompeo is going to be there, former director of the CIA under Trump, July 25th. Uh, again, he like like um, Mayor Wells said, it's not a political rally. It's more a celebration of um, Judeo-Christian values and uh, just an encouraging time to get together and, and encourage uh, Jews and Christians to work together. That'll be at the Prescott Promenade in El Cajon on Sunday at 3 p.m., July 25th. Uh, please uh, check that out, get out there and uh, get involved. I think more and more people are getting involved and recognize the importance of getting, getting involved. And um, I'm optimistic about the future, despite what we're dealing with. Um, and just keep praying for California and keep praying for, um, you know, people to wake up and really get to know uh, Christ ultimately. Um, it's really about moving towards God. So would it be okay uh, if I gave you. my email address? Absolutely. Yeah. Go for it. Just in case anybody wants to, call and uh, yell at me for my horrible uh, ideas <laughs> about, about how cruel I am. It's uh, bwells at cityofelcajon.us. And uh, I'm happy to talk to you if you have 
ideas about how to make it better or thoughts on how I'm wrong or how I'm right, I'm happy to discuss it with you because I think that's that's how we really get to the right solution as we start really talking about these problems, not just letting other people handle it. Amen. Amen. Uh, so uh, thanks for listening today. Thanks for being here. I hope you enjoyed the program. We'll be back again next week. Uh, we've got guests, hundreds of interviews all over um, YouTube and, and uh, up on Facebook that are people who have uh, been touched by God and been encouraged and are walking with God. And then ultimately God's using them to bless others and to love others. And uh, that's what it's all about ultimately. So uh, please check out my website, educateforlife.org and uh, all kinds of useful resources there that can help you and be a blessing to you and those around you. God bless you. And we'll see you next week. Bye-bye.